Welcome back to Netflix and Kill, the podcast dedicated to reviewing and documenting the horror films of Netflix. I'm Kai. I'm Marty. I'm Han. Hello. It's a very special day today. It's my birthday, and because it's my birthday, we watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Because yeah. I've watched that movie a million times, and I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, how many times have we watched this? It's like... Oh, boy. Kind of a comfort movie. Oh, yeah. Which it's is weird because it really is... Really weird. Very discomforting. Like, I will actively say, like, it is one of the horror movies that has, like, the most oppressive atmosphere. Yeah. Especially because it's in summer, everything's all sweaty, and, like, watching it, you feel like your lungs are filling up with sweat. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this is something I do appreciate about horror movies or people are wondering like why is this why you like these why do they come for you I'm like there's something so simple about just wanting to get away from a man with a chainsaw rather than trying to navigate this strange socioeconomic political identity we have to craft as adults and I just appreciate that sometimes life is as simple as you don't want to get eaten do you yeah <laughs> um um that uh Adam Scott meme where he's like pinching his fingers together but it says it's the carnal urges <laughs> oh my god I think for me I guess like I think for me maybe it's just that this movie is so well made uh, that, like mm -hmm. it, just, it is very well made. It just makes me happy. Like every time I think about it, I'm just like, wow. There is not an element of this that I would change. Like it is so perfect, and it just like, mm, just good shit. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it just very, it just makes me happy to like shit. that someone was able to achieve that, um, mm -hmm. because it is so rare. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, Good on you, Toby Hooper. Yeah. Oh, I love Toby Hooper. Yeah, I miss him. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I know that previously on this show, uh, Marty and I talked about the Texas Chainsaw remake from, like, what year? Like, 2000? Sometime in the 2000s, right? It was, like, 2003, 2004, 2005-ish. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and we hated it, basically. And that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, legit, probably one of my least favorite movies I've watched on this show. Um, yeah. So, now we finally get to talk about... And we actually, yeah. we talked about the remake on my birthday one year. I don't know <laughs> oh, why. No. Yeah, we did. I don't know, whatever. We were just like, let's see how bad this is. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So now we're bringing It's like it someone giving you a rock for your birthday. Happy birthday. Here's some shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just been the year of, like, 2020, right? I think everyone's birthdays have, like, basically sucked this year because, yeah, you know, obvious reasons. But any we're not going to get into that. Chainsaws. Texas. Buzz, buzz. Uh, um, rip, rip. There's a lot of shit. stuff that I didn't even realize that I didn't catch on to until this viewing yeah. which is weird it's like every time you watch watch this movie you like catch something new nope. like for whatever reason like at the very beginning the um like the dead bodies and like the flashing camera i for whatever reason didn't even put together that it was the hitchhiker who's known as nubbins in the in the second one i didn't even know that he was the one supposed to be taking the pictures until like 
it just like kind of clicked yeah. in my head. It was like, oh fuck. That makes sense. See, I didn't think about that. Well, I didn't. And this is so weird because I've seen this movie like a million times, but for some reason I just never processed like the reason why the main characters are actually going to this place. Like I just figured like, oh, summer getaway or whatever. But I was like, oh, no, they're going. So, and this is our segue to talk about the plot. Um, mm-hmm. This movie follows a group of friends, Sally, her brother Franklin, um, and their friends Jerry, Kirk, and Pan, who are going mm-hmm. to uh, the grave of Sally's and Franklin's grandfather, who grew up in like this mm-hmm. very rural area of Texas. Um because his grave has been like vandalized, and uh, or the the they said that it like that his grave specifically wasn't vandalized, but there were a lot of graves in that yeah, graveyard that had that's been. Right. So they were checking so, to make sure that you know their grandpa wasn't grave robbed. Yeah, and then afterwards, like they go mm-hmm. to their grandpa's old home, um, which is like completely dilapidated and stuff, but. Uh, you know, it's a place for them to stay mm-hmm. and they're just checking in. So, like, yeah, in my mind, I just never, like, even though I watched this before, I just never realized, like, that's the reason they're they're there. I was, like, I always just yeah. figured it was, like, oh, a summer getaway or whatever, which I don't <laughs> know who, well, I don't know. I was about to say, I don't know who goes to West Texas for a summer getaway, but I, I guess I have, like, every summer because um, that's where <laughs> my family's from. I, I so. think, yeah, I think that Sally and her brother, I think Sally probably was supposed to go with maybe a friend or two, and then Franklin wanted to come along because, like, he had good memories of the place. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like they were just gonna, like, make a whole trip of it, you know, just because, like, it's the 70s and people were like, oh, let's just go do stuff. Because they don't have anything else to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Vietnam, much. man, let's go to Texas. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, if you're gonna go there anyways, you might as well have fun. Yeah. Mm. I mean... <laughs> fun, quote-unquote. <laughs> there are fun things to do in Texas, just, like, not the part of Texas they're in. Like, they're deep yeah. in cow country. Um, yeah. So, like, the... This movie was They're, like, filmed... south of Fort Worth. Well... Like, in the middle of... I imagine this is, like, west Texas. Um, I think mm. at one point they mention... Uh, the city of Childress, which I know, actually know that city, because <laughs> um, it's I, I way up in the panhandle. I, I don't remember. I actually don't remember where at. Maybe they had moved their where their house or whatever in the second one. I I don't remember, but I always thought that it was like the the strip of like nowhere land that ran between. Uh, like Houston and like the the Dallas Fort Worth area. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it was filmed like in close proximity to Austin, but they picked like mm-hmm. places that look really deserted. But anyway, I always imagine this movie taking place in the Panhandle because that's what I know. That's where my family's yeah. from. Um, and it is cow yeah. country. Odessa looks like that too. Yeah. <laughs> it is cow country. Um, so like yeah. my. Grandpa at one point was involved in like dairy farms and stuff. Um, that's what you do. And so, like, the town and the area they're in, like, the main industry there is slaughterhouse, like, raising cows for beef. 
Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Like, watching this movie, it was so funny. I could literally, like, smell the movie just thinking about oh, it. Because they complain yeah. about it. Like, when the van's driving through, they're like, oh, what's that smell? And it's like, it's a slaughterhouse. I'm like, oh, yep. I know that smell. Like, cow <laughs> cow shit for days. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's like nothing but manure. Yeah. And... <laughs> God. really adds oh. to the visceralness of the movie with the sweat and the smell yeah. and like the discomfort it, yeah it, if, this, like, oh. if movies had smell of vision this one would be so stinky oh my gosh yeah no i can legit smell it and like <laughs> yep um so anyway moving on with the now that we've really set the scenery very vividly for you uh mm-hmm. they so they're they check in on their grandfather's grave um, and then they're going back to their family home, and on the way they pick up a hitchhiker whose name is Nubbins, but you don't know that yet. Um, mm-hmm. And he's really weird, and like he, so like Franklin is messing around with a pocket knife, and Nubbins like grabs it from his hand and like starts to cut himself, like his own hand open, and just like kind of laughs about it. And, like, I don't know, he just has a lot of odd habits, and, like, then... So, there, there's, like, a weird exchange between the hitchhiker and Franklin. So, like, in my mind, like, I mean, Franklin, of course, is physically disabled. He's in a wheelchair, but I, I always imagine that the two, like, the two Sawyer brothers in this movie, uh, Leatherface and Nubbins are kind of, uh, like, mentally ill or mentally disabled. Yeah. And so I feel like they're, like, trying to have a moment together. Because, like, right before that knife cut open thing happens, they're, like, talking about the slaughterhouse. And, like, they're, like, really kind of getting along. It's kind of, like, funny to watch. Yeah, like, they're explaining. But then as soon as he starts cutting his hand open, everyone's, like, freaking out, and Franklin's like, dude, that's fucked up. Yeah. It's like, there's an immediate turn, and, like, you're not like me at all, and so, like... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) They also explain, like, how the slaughterhouse works, so Franklin's, like, telling everyone, like, oh, yeah, they used to, like, hit cows on the head with a hammer to kill them, but now that it's industrialized and they have these machines that, like, put bullets in them and kills them really fast. Um, yeah, it's so like, like a gun and it just... Yeah, so like, nothing how he says it. Jo- ...joins in on this conversation. He's like, oh yeah, but the old way was way better. You know, it was better when we had the hammer and da 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 And so, like, that's the first sign that things are a little odd, but everyone's just like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, he cuts yeah. himself. And then, like... Uh, so then he, he has this Polaroid camera. Um, so then he just, like takes a picture. Well, first of all, he's showing everyone his pictures that he's taken at the slaughterhouse. Um, mm-hmm. And they're all, like, trying it's just, so like, hard carcasses. to be polite. Yeah, they're like, oh, wow, that's yeah. really interesting. And then he takes a picture of Franklin, and he's like, okay, now you have to pay me. And Franklin's like, that's not how that works. I'm not paying you. Um, yeah. So Nubbins proceeds to, like, get out of this piece of He sets of it on fire. Oil. Yeah. And then, like, lights the photograph on fire in the back of their van. Everyone freaks out and, like, kick, they kick him out. And then they kick him out. Yeah. Because, like, a fire in the van in the 70s, that thing's gonna explode. Yeah. Um, I also just want to make a quick side note. The music in the scene is spot on. So, like, one of the things that annoyed me the most about the uh, the remake 
is that in that opening scene where they're driving in the van, it displays Sweet Home Alabama. Because it's like, oh, oh get God. it? It's the 70s. And I'm like, okay. Okay, in West here's Texas, the thing. Yeah, it's like in West Texas, I can tell you exactly what people would have been listening to in the 70s. And um, this movie gets it right. It's like this, like... Mm-hmm. country song like, like really old 40s yeah like, like just country because first of all like you're not gonna have access to that many radio stations um mm-hmm. and like a lot of towns like that just don't i mean now they probably do but like a long time ago they wouldn't have just been doing like top 40 they do like you know whatever people there are gonna listen to so like oldies mm-hmm and and so I don't know. I really enjoyed that. There's a lot of Spanish channels in that area yeah, too. There are, but I really enjoyed that. I was like, this is already like spot on. Like you understand Toby Hooper. Um, <laughs> so well, I mean, he made it during the time period. It's not supposed to yeah. be a period. Well, piece. he's also from Texas, or he, at least he went to college in Texas. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, I never knew um, that. Yeah, so that's my. I'm. I've just been fixated on the music. Yeah, the the music is really good, and then, uh, like, another thing is, like, when they're talking, you can tell that, like, they got, like, at least people who, like, are in his family, a couple people at least got laid off from yeah. the slaughterhouse, because he's talking about how they used to work at the, the slaughterhouse, and, like, he's like, the old way of doing things is better, so obviously it's about, like, they got laid off because they didn't need as many workers, because Mm -hmm. they have better technology to slaughter the animals now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he's talking about head cheese. Oh my gosh. He's like, they boil the head except for the tongue. Yeah. (laughs) That's the worst thing about, like, realizing, growing up is realizing how many bad parts of animals are in everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's all just I mean, meat, like, if you think about it. Yeah. Like, it's all... That's why vegans can't have uh, gelatin is because it's made, a- made out of boiled cow bones. Yeah. See, but yeah, I'm, but that, that you know. feels different than, like, eating steak. Like, steak, oh, I'm like, I know what this is came from a cow's butt, but, like, jello yeah. feels like it's lying to me. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally <laughs> this understand sweet, that. sweet, spongy treat. But... Uh, I mean, I guess, like, props to them for using everything and not throwing it yeah. away. But yeah, it's a little weird to think about, I guess. He, he honestly, he's talking about it and he's like, he takes pride in it. He's like, my brother, he makes great head cheese. Yeah. And like, so. I don't know he, like, what's in jelly beans, but I know it's like that head cheese stuff. It's the same Jelly thing, beans, I'm I think. Sure. I think it has, it's like a, at least in the coloring, some colorings come from like, pigments from like beetle shells what is in jelly beans <laughs> oh my gosh a lot of food dye comes from bugs like different yeah pigments in them so like that's not an unusual thing either but oh thank god it's just sugar <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah uh yeah but the so fun fact also this movie they considered calling the movie Head Cheese at one point. They did. <laughs> I think it's really funny. It's very it's funny, but funny. I don't think anyone would go see it. Yeah. I mean, imagine... I don't know. That's just so funny to me. Yeah. Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre this is, is... My favorite movie is Head Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? 
Okay. Then I would expect the massacre to take place in Wisconsin. <laughs> it's like, that's kind of, the name Head Cheese is like on the same level as something like slaughtered vomit dolls or something. Oh like it just yeah. like elicits a kind of gross feeling in you. Yeah. Whereas Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I mean, massacre is like a bad, like a bad thing, but <laughs> it doesn't sound yeah. gross. <laughs> It just Head sounds cheese, sad. I feel like it would either be like the in the slaughtered vomit dolls category, or it would be in the like, oh, this sounds like a silly little kids film. Yeah, da Head cheese. Yeah, there's like no in between. So after that, they end up at a gas station, and mm-hmm. uh, the gas station owners are like, you know, you really shouldn't go out there. Like it's really dangerous. Just stay here for the night, and then go on don't, your way. He's like, don't poke around in other people's property, son. Yeah. And then they notice that like the hitchhiker has branded their van with his blood. Yeah, which is so super like <laughs> weird. Yeah. So that's a thing. Um, mm-hmm. and then, like, when they get to the- they actually get to the house, and it's just, like, in a really terrible condition. I honestly feel mm-hmm. bad for them having to stay there, because it looks like it's just basically abandoned. Yeah. Isn't there one shot where it's just a bunch of fucking spiders? Yeah. Just yeah. The, the spider yeah, shot. There's a shot of, like, <laughs> all the- they're just daddy long legs. They're harmless. Um, to backtrack just a little bit, they also- the- the guy at the gas station who- Spoiler turns out to be one of the guys who lives in the house where he kills people. Um, <laughs> he he's the cook, uh, Drayton Sawyer. Um, he tells them that basically they have no gas in the gas station, and then uh, he's like, "We do have barbecue though, if you want some barbecue." And so they all get barbecue and pile into the van to go look for another gas station, but they don't find one, and so they. They, uh, you know, they then they go to the house. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the part about them buying the barbecue is important because of something that happens with Franklin when they get out of the van at the house. So, so when they get out of the van, he's, like, looking at it, at the, the smeared blood or whatever, and then he's, like, chewing on a sausage and then as as he's like looking at it, he like takes the sausage out of his mouth and starts like spitting out pieces of it. Like he kind of knows what's going on at the moment. Yeah. That's that so, what like, that was. I also so this like coming up is one of my favorite scenes too. Because like I don't know, I really feel so bad for Franklin because everyone's kind of just like leaving him around. Cause he's in a wheelchair, so like it's hard for him to get through like the tall grass of like Texas. Or like it mm-hmm. in the there's also house like the doorway. Yeah, it's yeah. hard for him to get through the doorways in the house, and like there's an upstairs and downstairs, and he can't go upstairs. So he's like kind of upset, and like everyone just keeps ignoring him because like Kirk and Pam are a couple, and they like run off to go canoodle, and and like and so the, Franklin just has this moment where he's like really ups. He's just really pissed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he got he got his arm slashed a moment, a moment ago, yeah. and then now he can't so, do anything, and his friends are ignoring him. Um, so I think they tell him, like, they're like, oh, cheer up, we're gonna have fun. And after they leave, he's like, if I have any more fun, I won't know what to do with myself. And then he just, like, blows a <laughs> raspberry. And I mm-hmm. love it. Like, his, I think Hannah mentioned this when we were watching it together, his face is, like, so expressive. I'm like, man, mm-hmm. dude, I feel you. Like... 
So, yeah, like, yeah. besides um, the iconic moments with his sister, whose name I have... Sally. Sally, thank you. Besides the moments with Sally's, his face is the most memorable in this movie, besides the god-awful haircuts on the other fellas. <laughs> yeah, the 70s <laughs> was a time, wasn't it? Uh, it sure wasn't was. Uh, so, pretty soon, like, honestly, they just get right to the killing pretty soon. Um, so Kirk and Pam run off, and then they come across a house, and, uh, they're, yeah, they're going to see if the people who own the house might have any gas they can use, and, um... Kirk just, like, straight up walks in. I think he, like, knocks and no one answers, so he just, like, waltzes into their house. Uh, yeah, which is something, like, no person should ever do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then our baby boy, Leatherface. Our big boy! He makes his appearance. Um, so he kills Kirk. He gets... He goes after Pam... And like drags her into the house, um, which is so like, a Pam also walks shot. in though. Yeah, well, because that, that's the where you get to see like that the all the furniture in the house is really weird. It's like made from mm-hmm. bones and body parts and stuff. Uh, yeah. The set decoration in this movie is just amazing, like on point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it was inspired mm-hmm. by Ed Gain. Also inspired some of Silence of the Lambs because he was like killing people and scanning them and saving their body parts and whatever. Um, yeah. So... I mean, Ed Gein, like, did... He inspired, like, a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much every serial killer that's been depicted in popular horror movies, I think, took something yeah. from Ed Gein. Yeah. Anyway, this scene... So, like, uh, overall, I would say this movie's honestly not that violent. Like, every time I tell people this is one of my favorites, they're like, oh, but it's so violent. And, like, it's really not as much as you would think for a movie with the word massacre in the title. Um, Like, there's (laughs) not that much blood other than, like, when uh, Nubbins cuts himself at the beginning. But this this scene coming up, though, is, like, the one that would make people cringe, I think, is when uh, he grabs her when she's trying to run off and he just like hangs her on a meat hook yeah he like stabs it into her back and just yeah. like hangs her from her rib cage basically yeah and like that one <laughs> that that is visceral like that will get you and i think that's probably the most yeah. scene in the movie yeah yeah like honestly really effective horror movies don't show as much gore as they imply awful awful things like that's how you get a reputation for being really chilling is that it it leaves your mind to imagine the rest and just gives you enough to so you know what's going on because like in some of the later kills we don't really see them head on but we hear the sounds we see the the remains of what happens and that's enough to create a terrifying image in our imagination and i think texas chainsaw is really yeah. good about using that atmosphere to set up the scene and let your brain yeah. fill in the rest of the blanks like that is that is true skill that's true so Kirk is dead. Uh, Jerry is going looking for them because um, they haven't mm-hmm. come back yet. Le- and in the meantime, Leatherface is freaking out because people are entering his home, and he's yeah. like, "Who are you, people?" Um, so, <laughs> he's like, "My chicken." Yeah. So when Jerry goes, uh, he finds Pam, and she's still alive at this point. She's just like inside of a freezer, and he's like, "What the heck's going on?" And then. Although it's debatable whether or not she's 
alive or dead at that moment. She like, she like, she open. They open the freezer and then she like flings herself up and then she like just kind of yeah. She's alive. She like thrown back in the freezer by Leatherface. So I don't know if she's really alive or dead. She was dead. She can't fling herself. Yeah, it's like she can't fling herself out of a freezer. Yeah, but she doesn't say anything, and then, like, she, like... She's alive when she comes ...sits up, and then she, like, immediately goes slack, though. So, like, I don't know if she died in that instant when she threw herself up or what, but... It was probably... She's probably, like, just on the cusp of death, and, like, her body is reacting to, like, almost being dead. I've I've decided to go back, um, if I'm allowed a tangent. If you want to keep moving, that's okay. Oh, go ahead. Uh, when I was younger and I was starting to get into horror movies, I tried to Google the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because, like, I was morbidly curious and I was- I heard it was one of the big game changers. Um, clicked on the first link I found. (laughs) So, it it was- (laughs) It was not the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, though it was titled the exact same thing and it was made in the same year. It was a porn parody of this movie- where instead of killing people, Leatherface just had a big old dildo attached to a stick that he just ran around chasing people with, and then they hung out for a while in, you know, layman's terms. Uh, and, um, I had a, a crisis. I had a- I cried, I prayed, I repented, and then it just had- now I just find it very funny. Because, so like, in this moment- did you realize it wasn't the real movie? I just thought that was how 70s movies were. Yeah, I mean, I I understand. Like, I don't know if I would have known the difference either, like, especially if I hadn't seen that many horror movies. Uh, when Leatherface I mean, showed up- in the 70s, they still showed porn in the movie theaters. Well, and when, so. Leather, when Leatherface showed up, he didn't have a human- It was when Leatherface showed up, because he wasn't Leatherface, he was Pussyface, because he had a pussy on his oh. face. Um, no! And then there was the dildo, no! and I was like, oh my god! No! No! And, like, in this scene, like, a woman pops out of the freezer, and she's just like, hey, what? Everyone's so chill in this porn fairy. They're just like, hey, wanna have sex? And they're like, sure. Oh, oh my god. And so I yeah, love that's this. my I hate it, but I love it. That's my story, <laughs> and maybe why I like I love y'all's passion for it, and I love hearing y'all talk about this movie. I don't have as much of a passion for this movie. I have an appreciation for it, and I wonder how much of it stems from that traumatic event. <laughs> yeah. I mean I can definitely understand. I feel like I would probably feel the same way if that if that had happened to me. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like if I was if I saw that as a kid, I would be like, what the hell? Yeah, that's an amazing story. If my mom it, is listening truly. to this, I am sorry if it helps. As soon as I found out, I closed the tab. So I'm going <laughs> to heaven? Right. Question mark? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, all right, I'm going to drag us back and Please uh, do. finish up just real fast. So we can get so, to the actual meat of the discussion. Jerry, Jerry is dead now. Um, <laughs> oh my god, because yeah, so they Jerry's eat him! Dead. Uh, Sally and Franklin, at this point it's like nighttime, and Sally and Franklin are out looking for their friends, and uh, Sally like goes up to... or No, they both go up to the towards the house, and Leatherface like jumps out, which is a really great scene. Like... It's, like, one of the few jump scares in this movie, but it's really effective. Like, Franklin's got the flashlight, and he's like, hey, I think I heard something. And then you turn, and Leatherface is just right there. 
Yeah. It's so great. I love that. Um, Whenever you see Leatherface, the whites of Leatherface's eyes, that's when I'm like, oh, yeah, you can see them through his mask. Oh, it's so weird. Yeah. It's a good shot. So Franklin, when Leatherface pops out, Franklin gets, he gets Franklin with his chainsaw. um, Yeah, he just like cleaves him in half. Yeah. (laughs) And so Sally runs off and she manages to find like run to the gas station and the gas station owner is like oh yeah i'll help you but we don't have a working phone but uh you know i'll drive you where you need to go but instead he attacks her with a broom and knocks her out and takes her back to the house yeah i also want to acknowledge how much this woman runs in this film, it's yeah. truly really exhausting does. in the best way. Like you feel, it's like along the lines of like you can smell the shit, you can feel the sweat, you can yeah. like feel the dread, you can feel the exhaustion of just constantly running and having this guy mm-hmm. constantly right on your heels, about to fucking kill you, and knowing that you can't stop because adrenaline, but also you just mm-hmm. you don't know how much further you can go. And the movie is so good at that. Chase yeah. scenes are hard. Yeah. Yeah, there's, like, just this moment where the the cook leaves to, like, he says he's gonna go get something or something, and so he leaves, and then she's, like, sitting alone in the, in the back room of the gas station, and she's just kind of, like, staring at the sausages, and, like, there's just kind of a, a moment of, like, you can hear this, like, sizzling, and but at the same time, it's so still. Yeah. And so, like, it's so, it's like, you can feel the exhaustion just in that, like, in the aura of the scene. Yeah. <laughs> the mise-en-scene. Like, the, the, the dread. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he takes her back, and then the hitchhiker shows up to the house, and it's revealed that, oh yeah, he's Leatherface's brother. Um, yep. And they're all related. So. Yep, they're, I think they're all brothers. Yeah. Um, so they basically knocked her out and they tie her to a, a, a chair that's made up of, uh, human arms. Yeah. It's, it's an armchair! Oh my god, I just got it! Cause it's an arm. It's an armchair. Yeah. <laughs> oh my fucking god damn it. Oh, son of a bitch. Okay, I'm, oh, I'm over it. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and so like uh, this this dining room is like made up of all kinds of like human skin and bone decorations. So There's a face lamp. There's like just like all kinds of bones everywhere. And it's strangely like endearing in the weirdest way possible just probably because like i'm i'm kind of a big fan of taxidermy and the way things look and even though like i like it's supposed to be human bones and stuff just like a lot of it is like arranged really well yeah (laughs) and it looks nice (laughs) like hats off to the production designer for this movie because honestly like yeah the production design is such a vital part of this movie Mm-hmm. And what yeah, makes I think, it effective? Yeah, if I remember correctly, I saw like there was an interview with the production designer. He said he mostly got like a bunch of human or not human. <laughs> he got a bunch of animal bones to act as human bones, and then he got replicas or whatever of 
other ones or like he got the the human bones that he needed from a like a medical place yeah, I mean, or something. Yeah, it's not uncommon, especially for older movies, to use like real bones or real skeletons as props. Like that Yeah, that was it was way common. cheaper to get like yeah. real bones. You always had to give them back though. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they were cheaper, I think. It's so good though. So this scene, this is like the best scene in the movie. Um, by far. It's dinner time. <laughs> they bring down this like old looks like a corpse basically in a wheelchair. And you think he's <laughs> It's grandpa. Yeah, it's grandpa. And you think he's dead, but then he starts moving. So like they yeah. go up to Sally and they like cut her finger and just like force it towards grandpa and suddenly he like starts sucking the blood from her finger and it's like <laughs> what is happening it's so great it's, it's like almost comedic like, like this scene really walks the line between terrifying and hilarious the the sound design and the lighting of this scene is like it's like really dimly lit it's kind of kind of gross it it's very gross but like they it, like she's screaming and there's like they're mocking her and all this other stuff and then on top of that you have grandpa sucking on her fingers yeah. and it, it's it's like a family dinner basically but it's like a twisted version of that it's so funny yeah leatherface so brought out so his then, like makeup looking face instead of his yeah, normal face yeah leatherface has several mm-hmm. masks so he has a mask that's like got makeup on it and mm-hmm. so he's like he basically three masks in this movie he's got one that's just like a normal like f- man's face i think and then he has one that's uh that's his like cooking face and it's basically uh he um wears like a grandma face and like a wig which is probably a scalp of some kind <laughs> And then for di- for dinner he has the um the the pretty woman mask which is the uh, the mask that he wears at the end which has like all the makeup and it's like a really long hair and yeah. so like <laughs> he it, looks nice yeah I mean it's basically like this group of of cannibals playing house yeah pretty much and so. <laughs> The grandpa who had like who had worked in the slaughterhouse for years and years and years, um, apparently he used to kill the cows with a hammer. So Nubbins is like, "Hey, grandpa, he's kill the best Sally. Daddy. Yeah, he's the best there ever was. Like, you should kill Sally." So like, they oh give grandpa God. the hammer, and he's like just trying so hard to hit her with it, but he can't hold the hammer yeah, right. He's like so shaky. Like, he's trying. Like, he's just kind of like, I'm de- dead, motherfucker. Uh, I can't yeah. hold What are you doing? And they're like, come on, Grandpa, get her. Come on, he's Grandpa. He's like dropping it. And it, this goes on for a long time. It's so funny. It really does. Like, like it. It's it's hilarious, but then again, like, watching it for the first time, you're like, oh my god, what the f- fuck is this but you go back and keep watching it's like they're trying to get their almost dead grandpa to kill someone and he can't even hold a hammer it felt like did you yeah. ever bring your dolls to it's like the so dinner funny. table and try to like make them eat the food it felt like that oh yeah yeah <laughs> so eventually like sally takes advantage of this that grandpa just can't freaking hit her with a hammer and she manages to yeah. escape 
Um, and she runs out, and Leatherface chases her, and Nubbins goes with him, um, but he gets hit by a truck. That's... He gets he gets ran over by a semi-truck. Yeah, that's passing on the road, and then uh, a, a pickup truck comes along, too, and Sally jumps in the back of the pickup truck. And I escapes. love that yeah. man so, and so much. The funny part about <laughs> the mother is, so like, the... He has. The semi-truck driver gets out of the car, and then he starts running. So, like, I have no idea why he got out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. I guess because he, like, ran over someone, so maybe he was like, oh, no. But then he realized, yeah, like, but, oh, like, there's a guy with He should have just stuff. gotten back in the truck and drove yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. That was really funny. I loved really when he got funny. out. He's like, is everyone so- okay? Oh, shit! And then he just immediately yeah. went back in, and I was like, you go, guy. You go. Does he, yeah, does he die? Basically. I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't I think, think so. He, he just keeps up, running. I think he ends up getting in the pickup truck with Sal. I can't remember, but I don't think he dies. Um, he wasn't in the pickup truck at the end, so I think he just kept running. Okay. Uh, <laughs> or maybe he ends up circling around and getting into the pickup truck later, but I don't... I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he scene, just runs away. You're focused on Sally and Leatherface. Like, you don't really pay attention to what yeah. everyone else is doing. Because she's screaming and just terrified. And, like, it's so mm-hmm. compelling to watch. And then Leatherface is like, yeah. this is one of my other favorite bits. She gets in the back of the truck mm-hmm. and escapes. And as she's riding away, Leatherface just, like, flails around and spins and, like, mm-hmm. is swinging his chainsaw wildly. And it's like, yeah. it's supposed to be scary, and it is scary, but I also find it kind of adorable because he's just like wiggling with this chainsaw. Mm-hmm. And he's like doing this ballet with a chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> I I just really love this. And yeah, and she's like in the back of the truck, and she's laughing maniacally at the fact that she was able to get away. Yeah. And she's like covered head to toe in blood. I fucking love uh, the energy of that, just yeah, covered amazing. in blood, like half yeah. on the verge of tears or la- and you just laugh and it's like this yeah it's this cathartic like madness kind of mm-hmm. yeah so um yeah that's texas chainsaw massacre oh and then they cut um, mid chainsaw were like and then go to the credits and it's yeah cool. mm-hmm. uh so there's a lot of stuff that i want to talk about because i've spent a lot of time thinking about this movie mm-hmm so, uh, might be getting kind of academic here, but you know what? I'm I'm feeling it. Uh, Yay, academia! So, like, I guess since we're on the topic of, like, Sally, um, we could go into a little bit of horror history. So, this is, I think, widely considered, like, one of the first two slasher films. Um, I think if if not counting Psycho, yeah, I, I'm Psycho, not sure who who counts that as one or not. Yeah, so I I think Psycho, uh, Black Christmas, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre are considered like kind of the mm-hmm. foundations of the slasher genre. Yeah, um, I I think because I was kind of skeptical on which one came out first but i think texas chainsaw came out before black christmas did i think you're right i think they came out the same year yeah i think you're right um so like already because like obviously now we're very familiar with the tropes of the slasher film um but this Mm -hmm. you basically have the establishment of the final girl trope and like i read a really really good 
write-up um, a few years back that, like, it was uh, written by someone who had survived sexual assaults and talking about how, like, horror helped her kind of get through that and was, like, kind of a catharsis um, and how much this movie especially affected her and how much she related to Sally of, like, oh, you know, you're going through this really traumatic experience, but you survive. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought, like, that was really cool. I think that a lot of people, like, because the 80s, like, the later slasher films made a lot of it about sex, I think that, like, so many people have, like, conflated, like, Final Girl with, like, virginity and, like, purity and stuff. And, like, that's not... I wouldn't... Like, that's not really how it started out. Because, like, in Black Christmas, the whole, like, point is that, like, she was trying to get an abortion because she had been having sex, like, like, before she was married. So, like, that's not really how... Like, that's a thing that was established way later. I was gonna say, Black Christmas was really progressive back in the day because, like, during the 70s, that was, like, when the, uh, like, the... The, like, second wave of feminism was kind of starting, Mm -hmm. I think. And it was, like, so the, like, all of that was basically about, you know, women's bodies are their own and they get to choose what they do. And so, like, having a protagonist who was taking that stance in a movie made in that time period was, like, especially really cool to see. Yeah. 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 I was just gonna bring up, I read, uh book called Men, Women, and Chainsaws by Carol Clover that talked a lot about Texas Chainsaw in terms of, like, sexuality and feminism in horror movies. And I do Mm remember- I don't remember a ton, but I do remember one bit where they were talking about how in this scenario- and in this movie, like, there are a lot of shots of, like, women's butts and they're wearing really revealing clothing. Granted, it's very hot, but it was interesting that in the dinner scene- like, her saying, I'll do whatever you want, is basically a translation for, I will have sex with you. And they just laugh at her, because in this movie, violence has replaced the carnal urges for sex. It's like, we don't- in these horror movies, like, sex is such a strong symbolism for- nope, wrong way. Murder is a symbol for sex. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just- it's such an interesting layer on- with that, too, regarding mm-hmm. the final girl. And like, well, they even go further with that in the second one, though. Oh, God, like, do they? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not even subtext at that point. It's just yeah. straight up text. We put Because uh, there's a whole line in that movie. It's like, never mind, I won't spoil it. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are definitely going to talk about. It's sex or the saw, boy. We will definitely talk about that one at some point, because that's a whole other yeah. conversation. It is not on Netflix, but I feel like we could definitely cover it at some point. Yeah, we'll cover it. I I know that all of the Texas Chainsaw movies are on Tubi, because that's how I watched it today. Mm -hmm. I will say, I'm not- Mm -hmm. I don't quite understand the Leatherface, like, love, although I can respect it, in the first (laughs) movie. In the second movie, I get it a little bit more, because he has a bit more personality and wacky hijinks kind of personality that I can be like, what? (laughs) My thing with really liking Leatherface comes from, of of course, those first two movies, but for the first one especially, it's just because he shows a lot of signs of, like, being in, in, like, the situation that he's in, he is really confused about it and doesn't know basically what's right and wrong because he he was raised in a, a backwards family, and so, like... All he knows is to basically just kind of defend himself and do what anyone else says because it's very it's very obvious that like 
Drayton, the the cook, uh, basically, like, he, like, beats the crap out of him at one point yeah. during the movie. And, like, so he's basically just, like, doing what any- anyone says so that he doesn't, you know, basically get the shit kicked out of him again. Yeah. Even though he's the biggest one and the strongest one, he is so afraid of his family members. And, yeah, like, it's really interesting. It, it's, yeah, it, it just com- comes back around to, like, you know, just kind of feeling, like, kind of strangely relating to him because of that kind of submissiveness. Yeah. Um, well, like, it's also because, like, out of all the family members, he's the one that really doesn't seem to take joy in killing. Like, nothing's- No, like- And Drayton just seemed, like, delighted about it. And, like, yeah, Leatherface Dray- just, Drayton like, doesn't kill, because they, like, make fun of him for not- yeah, like but working still, the slaughterhouse or whatever. But he's still the one who's like excited to cook people meat. Um, yeah, but like Leatherface just kind of seems to be doing it because they're telling him to, or like out of a sense of necessity. It's almost Michael Myers esque in that I don't have a, I don't see a sense of malice about him when he kills. It just seems to be what he does because it's how he's raised. Yeah, which is almost more chilling because it's like, oh, he doesn't see them as human beings. He just sees them as cattle. Yeah, which I. I um, it's, it's kind of, like, an example of generational, like, effects, basically, because you have, um, like, Grandpa Sawyer, who probably worked at the slaughterhouse until he couldn't anymore, and then you have, you know, Drayton, and then, he, uh, he said his- and probably Bubba also worked at the factory, but, um, it's kind of like they have, like, this kind of, you know, effective generational thing, so probably it started <laughs> with Grandpa, and then it went into the other generations, so they basically just, like, learned how to be gross people from them, and so because they're so isolated, they kind of just, like, don't know that people outside of where they are don't eat people, you know? Yeah, well, I mean... I mean, they probably... Yeah, they probably do know that it's kind of wrong, but also I feel like Leatherface is just really complacent because of, you know, generational stuff plus, like, a very obvious kind of mental disability that he has. Yeah, which, like, (laughs) I... I think that gets into, like, this idea of, um, capitalism and big industry coming in and, like, Mm -hmm. taking over the slaughterhouse and all these people lose their jobs, and so, like, that has an influence on it. Which, like, it's not, like, you know, I'm not saying that, like, oh, it's not their fault that they're murderers, because, like, no, it is, but also, like, there are a lot of circumstances that drove them into that situation. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean... You know, they're obviously really poor because they've lost their jobs. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it's easy to imagine that, like, in their minds, human meat is, like, a way to survive. But, like, obviously it's gotten to the point where they just, like, take pleasure in killing. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, obviously I'm not endorsing cannibalism. But, like, you know, it's easy to see things from their perspective about how they feel like they've been forced into this position um because there's yeah, they, nobody they make it looking out for them very obvious like they, they yeah. were manual laborers and they lost that job 
And, like, obviously they live in the middle of nowhere, West Texas. Like, they don't have access to a college mm-hmm. education or, like, any other jobs. So, like, they're just left on their own to fend for themselves. So it's, like, yeah. it's, you know. You, you kind of get what you can, you know, take, yeah. basically. So I think it's, like, definitely a very strong um, criticism of capitalist America and, like, mm-hmm. how it... Uh, yeah, forces people into bad situations, and then uh, mm-hmm. Which, through that, yeah. like that anger and frustration is passed down um, throughout different generations. So, like, oh, there's just so much to unpack here, honestly, because like I, I feel like I can approach this from a lot of different angles. Because basically, like, I don't, in my mind at least, and I don't know, because like I. I don't know if Toby Hooper personally, but, like, in my mind, I don't think he set out to be like, I'm gonna make a movie about capitalism, or I'm gonna make a movie about Vietnam, or, like, feminism, and all these themes that are included, but, like, but, like... I think he said he actually got the idea to make this movie from a Black Friday sale he... that happened. Huh. Like, because he went to, like, a store on Black Friday and people were freaking out and there's, like, a whole crowd. And he said, I was just there to get something and go. And he was like, I just wanted to, like, cut through everyone with a chainsaw at that moment. And I was like, damn. Yeah. I don't remember where I read that at, but, like, that that was, like, a, a point of inspiration for the movie. Yeah. I could see that. Um, but, like, basically, like, and we kind of talked about this a little bit in our episode about the car. Like, I think... At least my approach to filmmaking is, like, I don't start with a theme and be like, I'm gonna make a movie about this theme. Because, like, it's just really hard to write a movie around that. Like, I tried and it just wasn't working. So I think, like, a movie more reflects just, like, what's on your subconscious at the time that you're writing it. And maybe you don't even realize. And, like, in that same regard, I think horror movies reflect, like, the American psyche and, like, what is the general public afraid of right now. Um, so, like, that's why this movie is so fascinating in the context of horror history, because it's right at this transition where we go from the monster movie to the slasher film. Um, so, like, monster mm-hmm. movies were reflecting people's fear of, like, foreigners and outsiders and, uh, you know, being the invaded. Cold War. Yeah. Um, but then you go to the slasher where it's, like, you're afraid of things that are more at home. So, like, Michael Myers, for example, it's like, oh, this all happens in suburbia. Like, now you're afraid of things that are close to you. Um, So, like, Mm -hmm. Texas Chainsaw, um, there's a lot of different stuff going on there. So, like, one of the things... Yeah. Obviously, at this time, Vietnam was happening. um, And the protagonists Mm -hmm. are, like, just about the right age to be fighting in the war if, like, only one of them is a seemingly able-bodied male. I mean, obviously he's not in the war, so I don't know, like, maybe he didn't get drafted or something. But anyway, they're of that mm-hmm. age. Um, and obviously, like, the audience watching this would be of that age. So I'm like, oh, this this is a movie about young people who are being viewed as meat, essentially. And, like, that... Yeah. I think that's just a very <laughs> powerful... Uh, connection mm-hmm. to be made at you're, that time you're just period. a body for them to use yeah. basically yeah 
So and and then on top of that, there's also like the fear of like the family. Yeah, and how, like a family unit is the most terrifying thing in this movie. Well, like you said, the idea of the American dream of like you you're a landowner, you have your family, you have your your stake of land, and you are safe here. Um, not like in the city where you're gonna get gunned down and stuff like that, but in reality, it shows like no you can achieve quote unquote the american dream you can move out to the suburbs you can get your own farm and you can still be victim to these horrifying acts of brutality yeah i mean Mm -hmm. if anything this movie like the dinner table scene almost just makes a mockery of the american dream i mean like you have all these cannibals dressed up and playing different roles as a family and like yeah it's just you know kind of this but in reality they're like yeah, they're, like, not even a nuclear family. There's no mother figure. Like, Leatherface is playing all of the female figures because there are none in the actual house. Wasn't there, yeah. like, Plus, a grandma like, skeleton? The, the, but they just didn't yeah, bring her to dead, dinner? The, yeah, there's a dead grandma. Like, I think she's dead. <laughs> Maybe. She's, like, yeah, she's way dead. more skeleton than he was. Because I remember, I I, I I hate to say it, there are, I, I fucking love when horror movies use, like, giant skeletons because it makes me think of, like, Spirit of Halloween or, like, just someone who goes out and buys a skeleton just because they can. And I just love imagining the props, people going out and getting the skeleton. And I remember thinking that when I saw the grandma, I was like, oh, I love a good skeleton. Yes. <laughs> I fucking love bones! Uh, me too. Sidebar, just to continue the bone thing. Have y'all seen the 12-foot-tall skeleton at Home Depot? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> He's so beautiful. I love him really and I want good. one, but he's $300 oh and gosh. I'm broke. Where would I even put him? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where my would God. you put him? Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that would be so great. But yeah, so oh, yeah, man. besides the skeletal woman, there is literally uh, no one else. Yeah. 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 So we, um, I'm, I can't remember the name of the essay, but I will try to include that in the show notes because I'm not going to take credit for this idea. This came from a film genre essay that I read when I was in college. Um, Mm -hmm. Just full transparency. But uh, yeah, I read this really great essay about how like the slasher film kind of examined more of like the dark side of the American idea of the family and how it's actually not as perfect as Hollywood likes to present it. So, um, Mm -hmm. basically, like, during the monster movie era, the family or, like, even just the idea of family through, like, a heterosexual couple that are meant to reproduce and whatever, um, like, that was always seen as, like, the saving grace. Like, Creature from the Black Lagoon, oh, she escapes the monster and ends up with a human man and... They're gonna go on and raise a family and whatever. Um, and it's, like, promoted as this ideal that will defeat the evil. Um, but then mm-hmm. with the slasher films, so you have, like, Psycho um, and Texas Chainsaw, where, like, the family is suddenly seen as, like, a source of darkness and trauma. Um, and I think that's a really interesting, like, way to examine it. Mm-hmm. And, and not just like trauma for outsiders but like also trauma for oh, the people yeah. in no, it that's what I meant because I think that like we had touched on like that Leatherface and Nubbins obviously suffer from some sort of mental illness and like it's not really mm-hmm. made clear what um, 
But yeah. I would assume it's, it's probably... highly speculated autism. Oh, maybe. I was just thinking, like, it's I, I some... think I was thinking, like, some sort of PTSD almost, like, related to uh, yeah, that too. family issues. It, it could be. And then uh, there's also a, a good argument that um, Leatherface could also have dissociative identity disorder yeah. and. His his masks are different personalities, basically. Um, which kind of plays into but, the psycho I, thing of, like, using mental illness as, like, a scapegoat to kind of create shock value and kind of try to disrupt that ideal American society yeah, thing. Which, kind like, of. I, I have, like, I, I, I acknowledge that's what they're doing. I don't know what to do with it other than, like, acknowledge that people with yeah. mental disorders are often the victims of horrible things rather than the perpetrators yeah. of it. Yeah. And I think I yeah. just want to say yeah, that Yeah, more often than not. Yeah, that's... And I think that's probably another reason why I like Leatherface, though, is because you can tell that there is some sort of disability there, but he's also being, like, he's he's the villain, but he's also, like, being treated as, like, horrible by his family because of it. Yeah. So, it it's kind of like you, you garner sympathy for someone even if they're, like... They're like not the, like, the the good guy, I guess. Yeah, I um, I guess that's I... probably like what yeah. why I'm drawn to him too. And like I and yeah. I say this while still recognizing that like it is deeply problematic that these yeah. characters are always and like even though in this movie they never explicitly like it's never explicitly said that he suffers from any mental illness, but like yeah, but like mm-hmm. in it's his, just very heavily coded. Yeah, like in his actions. Yeah, it's pretty clear that, like, and especially mm-hmm. Nubbins, too, like, it's pretty yeah. clear that there's yeah. something going and I on think there. That's why I enjoy having these conversations with y'all, because, like, I didn't really have that opinion of Leatherface to begin with. I thought, oh, he is meant to shock, he is meant to scare me. I didn't really see that that side of, like, how he fit into the family, which is why I'm gl- why these conversations with people from different backgrounds is so important, because you get different things every time, and the point is to understand, and, like, that- maybe that's one thing yeah. with Texas Chainsaw, is I mainly saw the shock of it all, like, I saw them trying mm-hmm. to do this to, like, freak you out, and, like, that kind of made yeah. me kind of withdraw a little bit, because, like, of what I know. But, like, seeing it from yeah, another perspective yeah. kind of gives me... Because there's, there's so many different perspectives to see everything and everything read, everyone reads something is different. But yeah. the discussion is what makes makes us grow. At least it makes me grow because I yeah. know I'm getting a new perspective of this, this movie as we speak. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, like, Leatherface and then other, like, villains who are, quote-unquote, mentally unstable, you know, they're, they're not... They're not good representations of the communities that they... Uh, like are drawing from but um a lot of the times and i see this with like gay coded villains as well like a lot of people will like reclaim them just because you know at least it's something mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and that's not to say that it's it's good that we have that kind of trope because it's not but you know people will will interpret media as they will yeah and i as someone who has some, like, similar uh, mannerisms, I'll say, to, to Leatherface and to Nubbins, like, the, the, um, some, some of the ways they, like, walk around and interact with things, especially, like, the scene where Leatherface is, like, 
freaking out because people have entered his home and he's like kind of like banging his head with his hands and like kind of sitting in a corner almost like i i do that sometimes when i'm really anxious and uh that that's another reason why i kind of uh, uh relate to to leatherface and why i like him so much and uh it, it's it's not that he's like a a good representation of stuff cuz he's not it's just like oh hey i do that too and so i've like latched onto him you know yeah <laughs> and i i think like it's one of those things it's like hannah said like these movies are meant to shock and scare you mm -hmm. and at the time in which this was made people did not have an understanding of mental illness and so like Oh yeah, those traits. I mean, were there seen... were still asylums. Yeah, at that like point. those traits were seen as shocking, um, mm -hmm. even if people maybe didn't know why. So I, it's one of those things. It's like I hope that movies now do better. Um, like it's something that should not be, definitely should not be repeated now in media yeah. now that we have this better understanding. Um, but I yeah, split yeah. <laughs> Oh, I have. I can't because I'll go off on a tangent about the movie. I okay. get Sorry. very upset about that. But yeah, that movie sucks. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm not Shyamalan, but your movies suck. But yeah, it's a. You know, it's a tough subject because it's like I really do love these characters and relate to them, even mm -hmm. though it's not good representation at all. Like, like Psycho's another one. It's like, I love Norman Bates, um, but he's a very yeah. bad representation of mental illness. Yeah, and I, I think maybe because horror movies are so... Th this one in particular, it's very simple. It's like, you know, girl basically gets kidnapped and has to run away before she gets eaten. Um, like, that's pretty much the main plot of it. Um... But, like, there's so many, like, different things you can pull out of this movie that, mm -hmm. like, makes the whole story so complex. Yeah. Because, like, you have, like, you know, the the plot line about them losing their jobs in the slaughterhouse. And then you have, like, the, the family dynamics. And then you have, you know, like, other stuff like mental illness and like disability as a talking point you have a, a physically disabled character and mentally disabled characters and how they're kind of foils of each other and then you have you know all, all kinds of stuff in this movie and like I mean obviously like it's like you know the people who are doing the killing are also victims of a higher a, a higher like different level yeah. and it's it's so good it's so good yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things i think where like uh you know you can tell all of this was just on toby hooper's <laughs> psyche and like he somehow managed to capture mm -hmm. that feeling so well yeah. through his direction and yeah. uh, i just really admire that mm -hmm. yeah oh Going back to the beginning of the movie, uh, I just realized this. So, like, at the beginning, they were actually listening to the radio, and, uh, like, there's, like, all of these, like, news stories of, like, really bad things going on in the world. They, like, start out with, like, the grave robbings in Texas, and then they go into, like, 
a kid was killed in Maryland, and then, uh, like, just, like, on and on and on, these, like, stories of people getting killed, or, like, mass tragedies, or, like, things like that, and then they go into the van, and then you have Pam, I think, talking about how Saturn was in retrograde or something like that, and so all these bad things are gonna start happening, and then you have the, the events of this movie, and... I, it's just, like, set up from the very beginning, like, it, like, at the center of it all, like, something is causing all of these things to happen, whether it just be the cosmos or something else, but, like, it's a cycle of events that are just going on. I would have given yeah. all the money and furniture I own if for just one second while Pam is running, he, like, gets a look at this, the journal she's reading and he goes, are you an Aquarius? I'm a cancer. Oh my god. <laughs> I just would have given everything. <laughs> oh no way, I'm a Gemini! Oh my god! Just like... <laughs> She's like, I can so tell, you're so two-faced. And then they have a good laugh about it, you know. Oh my god, you've got two-faces. <laughs> I didn't even think of that when I said Gemini. <laughs> so, I think like... I think it's, like, pretty obvious how Marty and I feel about this movie, but Hannah, uh, oh, how yeah. would you say, like, you rank this movie in terms of classic horror? Um, you know, it, it set a different precedent and it brought up a lot of more- it revol- like, I can't deny, it revolutionized the horror genre in terms of, like, y'all are right, the themes about capitalism are there, the themes about feminism are there. It's such a- so many things had to happen in American culture for a movie like this to to exist and to resonate and to hit as hard as it does and mm -hmm. access such specific fears that we all have. Like, why does it take place in Texas? Why is there a chainsaw? Why is it a massacre? Why does he have two faces? And just, like, all the details in this movie are so specific. And I find it fascinating that how our culture developed to create a movie like this. And I think it's so interesting on what it reflects about our fears and stuff like that. Um, on a personal level, I, like, think it's good. I don't really have a great <laughs> love for it. Like, I can appreciate the craftsmanship for it, but, like, uh, there are other horror movies, I think, that, that resonate with me a bit more, but I cannot deny the impact and the craftsmanship of this movie. And I, I, I do give it credit for that. I think that there are certain things about it that, like, freak me out more than make me think or make me feel. But, like, I, I know I'm also from Iowa, so I, I hadn't been to Texas until I was 22. Uh, so. The Iowa Chainsaw Massacre. They chased yeah. you through all the corn. That's children. We have our, like, that's our children of the children corn. Of the children corn. of the corn. Is, I don't even think it takes place in Iowa, but it just feels like an Iowa movie of, like, you know, religious yeah. ideology. Uh, kids just gonna kill you. That's the mood of Iowa. Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> at least has, like, atmosphere. Um... And yeah, I I just yeah, I, I'm fascinated by it more than anything. I I I do like the sequel better. I will say that. The sequel's amazing. The sequel's a lot more fun, I will say. Yeah. I mean, this one is e extremely smart, but they have a lot more fun with the themes and the acting in the in the second one cuz that that's when you get Bill Mosley as Chop Top oh and that's gosh. like the most insane yes, thing I've ever so seen. Good. Yes, that's the other thing with this Music movie. Music is my life. I, I'm glad we had this discussion because it is a movie that, like, I've only seen, this is, like, the second time I've seen it, so, like, I'm not as familiar with it, but, like, I'm familiar with the visuals and the iconography that has impacted horror. 
Um, mm-hmm. so I feel like I've seen it more than I have. And then, like, the experience of watching it is much different than you'd expect. And I also, I, like, I'm, I'm a little basic in terms of I want an interesting hero. Like, I, I love it. I want to see more diverse people survive rather than do the killing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, because that's usually who I relate to because I'm basic and I'm privileged. Um, but... I, I just, I think I want to see more of the people fighting back be interesting and more than just a white girl. So I think that's, that's something mm-hmm. I kind of wanted. Because, like, I, I thought the people in this movie who survived were interesting, especially Franklin. I was really interested with Franklin. Um, and it was kind of mm-hmm. sad to see him go, but it, it also was very impactful. I was gonna, I was gonna say, I feel like maybe the only thing that would make this movie better would be if Franklin and Sally both got out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in, like, films like, um, but, like, I'm trying to think, yeah. Haunting of Hill House, where the people experiencing the horror are, like, they have mental problems, or, um, e- even by the same director, uh, what's, uh, is it Hush, Kyla? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, those kind of movies usually get me more when you, when you, the person experiencing the terror is someone you don't normally get to see kind of victorious. So those are yeah. the kinds of movies mm-hmm. that resonate with me a little bit more, but I still really appreciate everything Texas Chainsaw has accomplished, and I love hearing people talk about it because it is such a fascinating film. So that's my take. Yeah. So. <laughs> Do we have any last thoughts? Um, uh, Leatherface Baby. <laughs> yeah. I like Leatherface. <laughs> yeah, he's my favorite slasher out of all of them, I think. I'm trying to think, do I have a favorite slasher? I don't know if Pinhead mm. counts, but Pinhead would be mine. If he doesn't count, um, Candyman? I think he does. Ooh, Candyman. Oh, Candyman's great, too. Candyman. And then Leatherface is great, too. Those are, like, my top Candyman three. Candyman is a very close second. I like but... Michael Myers, but probably just because I've seen so many, like, fabulous TikToks of him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have have you seen the one of the little girl wearing the mask and dancing to the Halloween theme? Yes, it's adorable. <laughs> yeah. I love that one. Well, thank you guys for joining. Uh, yeah, for talking about this movie with me. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, happy birthday again, Marty! Happy birthday! <laughs> You can find Netflix and Kill on Twitter at Netflix underscore in underscore kill. That's in is in the letter in. Um, yeah, keep keep updated. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, uh, pretty much any app or website where you get podcasts. We are updating every week. We have some really fun plans for the month of October. We are approaching our two-year anniversary, which is huge. Mm -hmm. and uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun so stay tuned for that shout out to our awesome hosts who have done so many freaking amazing horror episodes like hell yeah marty hell yeah kyla hell yeah i can't believe we've been yeah hell yeah you i can't believe that we've been doing this for two years it does not feel like we've been doing it for two years so much fun. Oh, I guess it's also like a big thank you to everyone who's been listening to us and supporting us like even if you know, even if you joined, like, even if this is the first episode you're listening to, thank you. Um, if you stuck with us yeah. the whole two years, wow, like, thank you a lot. Um, I'm glad you haven't gotten tired of us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you. I 
I am just really I'll give you a big leather face hug if I could, but I can't because it's socially yes, distanced. Yes, the, bi- the leather face hug where he picks you up and takes you into his kitchen. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> I just... I just do the Maybe first part. Maybe not the taking you into the kitchen part, but the yeah, yeah. And then like He'll go. pick you up and With put permission. you down. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that being said, stay away from any chainsaws this week, and may mm-hmm. your nightmares be plentiful. The stars at night are big and bright, <laughs> deep in the heart of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Love that.